Welcome to this peer voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VSB. This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from Merck Healthcare KGAA Darmstadt, Germany. Welcome to this peer voice peer to peer panel discussion on type 2 diabetes. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professor Melanie Davies and Linong Ji. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, this is Melanie Davies from the University of Leicester, UK. Welcome to this activity entitled Managing the Cost of Type 2 Diabetes the impact of effective use of established therapies. In this first presentation, when guidelines state when cost is a major issue, when does this apply, we will review the economic burden of type 2 diabetes medications and the importance of considering cost-effective treatment solutions. Joining me in the discussion is my esteemed colleague and dear friend, Leon Ji from the Peking University People's Hospital, Beijing, China. Welcome, Dr. Professor G. Hello, everybody. Yeah. So first, I'm going to comment on the impact of healthcare budgets and the cost of type 2 diabetes to the healthcare system. So firstly, we know that around the world, more than 537 million adults are living with diabetes. Over three, or three out of four of those live in low and middle income countries. And diabetes is responsible for six to seven million deaths in 2021, one every five seconds. It also uh, consumes a huge amount of, fun, uh, of cost. So in the US, over $960 billion uh, of healthcare expenditure, which has increased markedly in the last 15 years by over 300%. And as well as those people living with diabetes, there are over 540 million adults with impaired glucose tolerance. So, Professor G, I'd like you to uh, talk us through, really, uh, the, uh, and comment on type 2-related uh, complications and its impact on the cost of treatment. Uh, yes, um, thank you, Professor Davis. Um, diabetes associated with a very high cost for the management of diabetes itself and also for the management of complications. And the, the more number of complications, the higher cost. So uh, on average, uh, from 50 to 60%, uh, or sometimes even higher percentage of total cost are related to the treatment of complications, such as heart disease, stroke, uh, and, and renal failure. Um, Professor Davis, so how could we define the ultimate cost-effective approach to care? So I think as you've just outlined, Professor G, that much of the cost is on uh, the cost of complications uh, of diabetes. And when we look at the approach to care, we need to look at that across the whole system. So we need to look at uh, effective health promotion in the community we need to look at effective uh, prevention of, of disease. But when it comes to treatment, we have to have really good integrated systems 
to optimally manage uh, the condition. So, for example, in diabetes, we need to look at blood glucose control. We need to look at cardiovascular risk factors. We need to look at uh, obesity management. And we need to integrate our care pathways, not just in the hospitals and in specialist care, but also across primary care and into the community. So, uh, Professor G, but prior to this activity, um, there was a survey looking at uh, people's uh, perception and, and ideas around costs and whether they consider costs when managing uh, people living with type 2 diabetes. Would you like to comment on the observations that we saw in that survey? Yeah, I think this is a very uh, interesting finding because um, um, in this survey, for all conditions, all type of uh, patients, be it low social economic status, uh, with poor medical plan, health insurance coverage, uh, with no medical plan, health uh, insurance coverage, and also other patients with type two diabetes and low uh, cardiovascular risk, all physicians, uh, for all type of these patients, all think. The cost uh, is uh, something to consider uh, most of the time and almost always. Uh, I think uh, this indicates that from a physician's perspective, cost is really an issue. The other uh, issue that we asked about really was around obstacles to treatment adherence. Um, and I think it's important that we see that about 37% believe that there were significant obstacles to treatment adherence uh, in people living with type 2 diabetes. So it's clearly uh, a major factor um, in terms of healthcare professionals' thoughts. So Professor G, we've talked about cost, but is cost only relevant for the low and middle income countries or do all clinicians have a, a duty to ensure cost-effective management of type 2 diabetes? Yeah, I, I think uh, given the burden uh, of diabetes in uh, not only in developed countries, but also in uh, developing countries or low or middle income countries, so cost is still um, relevant to all countries. Uh, with prevalence, higher prevalence type 2 diabetes, uh, particularly emerging uh, economies is, is managed in the context available resources should be uh, considered uh, because um, we have also competition uh, from other um, medical conditions that competing with uh, limited uh, resources. So uh, this put uh, restraint on the uh, how much we can spend on diabetes. Uh, therefore, uh, international guidelines might not be appropriate for regions such as uh, uh, some Asia countries, uh, Latin American, or African, where epidemiology of patient phenotype, cultural uh, conditions, and socioeconomic status uh, are different from American or uh, European. So also glycemic control and reduction of macro and microvascular outcomes remain an essential aspect of treatment, uh, access and cost are major uh, limiting uh, factors. So um, we need to take a, a pragmatic approach 
uh, in restricted resources uh, settings. So thank you, Professor G. And increasingly, I think across many regions, people are very aware of, of being able to use resource most effectively. I want to look at your um, comment in terms of the WHO essential medicines, because as you know, it was updated in 2021. Would you like to comment on uh, the recent update? Yeah. Um, yeah, I really uh, appreciate um, um, WHO. Uh, for um, updating these uh, essential uh, medicine guidelines. For example, um, they uh, put um, uh, the SLD2 uh, inhibitors, which has been shown uh, through numerous uh, clinical trials to reduce the risk of uh, uh, renal failure, uh, heart failure, as well as uh, cardiovascular disease and death. And, and so I think this is very good that that can be used uh, widely uh, uh, following uh, the WHO recommendations. Also, um, I noticed that WHO has put uh, some uh, uh, modern insulins, uh, such as uh, Degrodec, into the uh, uh, list, uh, which could provide a more uh, effective and safer uh, glycemic control. Uh, it's also um, a good move uh, that WHO uh, had uh, encouraged uh, the pharmaceutical companies that holding the patent for SLT2 inhibitors uh, to have a dialogue with uh, um, uh, developing countries uh, to have a plan uh, to manufacture uh, and sell the patent uh, medications such as SLT2 inhibitor at a lower price to increase the affordability and also accessibility of this very important uh, medicine. Professor Davis, uh, how can clinicians help optimize cost effectiveness while optimizing patients' outcome in type 2 diabetes? So I think it's really important that we think about the whole of the cost of, of, of type 2 diabetes because whilst Clearly, uh, the drugs and the acquisition costs of drugs is important. As you showed, the complications and the whole um, trajectory of diabetes um, has a huge cost. And, and therefore, the earlier use of a more effective treatments uh, may be in the longer term cost effective. But we need to target those treatments to the right people. And we need to make sure that we're choosing therapies that are the most cost effective, but provide adequate efficacy, are safe and tolerable because you may have a cheaper drug, but if people don't take it because of the side effects, then it, it doesn't um, lead to improved outcomes. So the acquisition cost is only one factor. It's an important factor, but we have to take it into account these other factors including availability and also people's ability to remain on and be persistent with their treatments. Professor G, I just want to summarize what we've talked about um, in this brief discussion. So we've talked about uh, the fact that type 2 related uh, complications and the presence of multiple complications significantly um, increase the, the economic burden of diabetes beyond also clearly what's uh, um, a, a burden to the, to the person living with diabetes themselves. Diabetes c continues to become much more prevalent and its appropriate management and prevention 
are urgently needed to reduce the growing economic burden of the disease. And we need to take uh, clinicians who are managing people living with diabetes need to take into considera uh, consideration not just the efficacy and safety, but also be mindful of cost-effective prescribing uh, when they're uh, choosing um, and uh, prescribing medicines for, for patients. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, uh, this is uh, Li Nongji from uh, Peking University People's Hospital, uh, Beijing, China. Uh, welcome to the second presentation titled Established Medications for Type 2 Diabetes. Can they deliver on cost of outcomes? Uh, I'm very pleased uh, that joining me in this discussion uh, is my uh, esteemed colleague and dear friends, Melanie Davis from University of Leicester, United Kingdom. Hello, uh, Dev uh, Melanie. Hello, Leon. Uh, before this program, uh, we did a survey asking um, the physicians how often uh, do they uh, use the following uh, pharmacologic treatment uh, for the patients with type 2 diabetes who did not have uh, previous cardiovascular events. Uh, so you can perceive from these uh, uh, <coughs> statistics that um, uh, most of them uh, ranked uh, the metformin SLT2 inhibitor and GLP-1 receptor agonist uh, as the, the agents that they can consider for type 2 patients uh, even without the previous uh, cardiovascular uh, events. Um, they also uh, consider uh, insulin uh, if there's a necessity uh, for using it. But uh, for the sovereign rears, um, they give a very low priority uh, for these agents, uh, probably because of the, the higher risk of hyperglycemic and weight gain. We also asked uh, another question. Uh, how important are each of the following factors when selecting therapies for patients with type 2 diabetes who have lower uh, cardiovascular risk? Uh, you can see um, almost this, all the uh, physicians uh, put um, a potential to risk, uh, to reduce the risk of cardiovascular uh, events. Um, have a great weight loss efficacy and greater a uh, growth or lower uh, efficacy as um, uh, their first uh, priority. Uh, also, um, they, they consider patient's preference and cost of medication as something that they need to be uh, considered, uh, classifying them as very important or extremely important. Uh, Professor uh, Davis, uh, is early treatment with uh, simple therapies like metformin as sovereign still important? Yes, I think it is. And I think this is, uh, if we look at data from the United Kingdom Prospective Diabetes Study, which was uh, um, conducted, you know, many decades ago now, um, uh, and certainly when we really only had metformin, sulfonylureas, and insulin, but nevertheless, in these you know newly diagnosed patients, it was shown that 
uh, effective glycemic control based around metformin SUs and insulin was able to confer a benefit in terms of uh, microvascular outcomes. And we also saw from longer term follow-up after 20 um, years that we started to see an impact on macrovascular disease. So I still think that there's a place and, and, and good evidence uh, for early uh, control uh, with uh, agents, uh, particularly around metformin. So I think the other thing that it's important to say is the legacy effect. And I think what we need to bear in, in mind is that what we do early from diagnosis, particularly in terms of glucose lowering, gives benefits decades later. And that's one of the important finding for from the UK PDS. It showed us this concept of the glycemic efficacy. And that's why it's so important to treat people early. Could you please uh, comment on the importance of early proactive approach with metformin? Because still most of the guidelines are recommended metformin as a first-line treatment and can effective management of hypoglycemic prevent cardiorenal complications uh, from developed at all. Metformin is on the WHO list of essential medicines. It's widely available. It's uh, very um, accessible to many patients across the world. If you look at some of the systematic reviews and meta-analysis of metformin provides um, good uh, effective glycemic lowering. Uh, Professor Davis, uh, what do um, European Society of Cardiology Treatment Guidelines for patients with hypoglycemic and uh, AICVD cardiorenal risk suggest? So I suppose the main point I would want to pull out is that the SGLT2 inhibitors and the GLP-1 receptor analogs have been prioritized in terms of the management for reducing MACE in people with established CVD or at very high risk. And clearly also those agents with proven benefit. Professor Davis, um, um, we all know that uh, you are leading uh, the ADA-ESD consensus for patients with hypoglycemic and uh, isoscoric uh, cardiovascular disease, uh, cardiorenal risk, uh, so uh, could you comment on this uh, consensus on uh, how to achieve more cardiorenal protection? We've highlighted cardiorenal or organ protection with the choice of glucose-lowering therapies. So, for example, in those with established ASCVD or those with high risk factors, similar to what the European Society of Cardiology says, we've prioritized either the GLP-1s or the SGLT2s with proven cardiovascular benefit. For those with heart failure, clearly the SGLT2s are preferred. And for those where chronic kidney disease prevention is prioritized, the SGLT2s are preferred. Uh, but the GLP1s uh, can be added or substituted if a patient is unable to tolerate or, or use an SGLT2. Focusing on weight management and glycemic lowering and looking at the efficacy of agents and clearly, some of the agents that offer cardiorenal protection can also be used um, as uh, uh, glucose-lowering weight management um, in the algorithm, so that you know agents can do more than one thing. Uh, Professor Davis, um, yeah, from um, a diabetologist point of view, how to individualize uh, the therapy and supportive care 
according to both patients and disease characteristics. So I think there's two broad approaches. I think one is the holistic approach, which means that now when we think about type 2 diabetes, we think about these four components. So the glycemic lowering is important. Weight management has an increasing focus, but also the use of organ protective agents, uh, which we've talked about, particularly around uh, cardiorenal protection, and also um, holistic cardiovascular risk factor management, comprehensive uh, uh, management such as blood pressure, lipids, smoking, etc. But at a person level, I think it's the approach of putting the person living with type 2 diabetes at the center of everything we do, um, thinking about their priorities, their preference, their setting, the culture, cultural and socioeconomic setting that people live in, thinking about more the social determinants of health and conducting that decision, that circular decision cycle where we uh, have a shared decision-making, we agree a plan, and we implement and monitor that plan. Because ultimate, ultimately what we should aim to do is to optimize the quality of life of people living with diabetes and reduce the burden of complications. Uh, if people uh, with type 2 diabetes identify uh, and treat it early, uh, it's possible to avoid putting them on a high-risk trajectory for complications. And most guidelines recommend metformin as a first-line agent for patients with type 2 diabetes. Uh, we now have evidence that GRP1 receptor agonists and SGLT2 inhibitors uh, have shown a cardiovascular and renal benefit. Um, we should take a patient-centric approach uh, to guide the choice of pharmacological agents. Thank you. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.